Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Star Wars 7x7, episode 3037. As Finn said in The Force Awakens, are we really doing this? <laughs> and yes, we are. We're going to spend a whole story arc with Cassian in prison and having to break out of it, starting with Narkina 5, which is chapter 8 of the Andor series. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So as with previous episodes, we're going to do this in the form of a seven takeaway breakdown, starting with a follow-up, as it were, to Chapter 7 of the Andor series. In that episode, Colonel Yularen has this fantastic monologue and one of the things that he says in there is that they have to decide how tightly they want to close their fist. Well, in chapter eight, we get to see the effects of the fist closing happen up close and personal to our main characters. And we get to see some serious fight or flight or freeze reactions out of them. For example, a fight reaction coming out of Cyril Karn, who had the Empire's fist close around him a little bit earlier in the series when he was kicked out of the Preox Morlana corporate authority and had to come home to Coruscant with his tail tucked between his legs. He could have accepted the you know, bit of grace that he received and instead he's choosing to fight the hand that's been dealt to him. Of course, it's rather comedic how he manages to get the ISP's attention, but it's also a little bit tragic because he gets warned that if he keeps messing around, that trouble's going to come his way. And <laughs> I'm willing to bet that he's not going to be able to let it go. And yeah, so it's going to end badly for him in some fashion and yeah even for people who you kind of feel deserve it you almost feel like they don't deserve it because it's the empire you know and Cyril's not wrong either Cassian did kill two men in cold blood so yeah the the level of moral complexity in the show is pretty spectacular then we have Mon Mothma who's trying to operate within the parameters of her rebellion privately as she sees fit to be able to wage it. However, it is getting increasingly difficult and even her friend Tay is having difficulty with the money maneuvering that needs to happen and the <laughs> dreaded phrase Imperial Auditors is dropped in this episode. So yes, it's not going to be a good situation for Mon Mothma trying to get the funds that she needs to support some secret rebel activities. Meanwhile, she is not not only getting spied upon by you know, various other <laughs> people in the Empire, but Perrin is now suspicious as well. He's suspicious
suspicious of what's going on with her old friend from Chandrila, but I have a feeling the suspicion is not about what political activities she might be engaged in. I think Perrin thinks that Tay and Mon might have a thing going on. And then you have Perrin and Mon's daughter who's now shown up to see what's up with Mon and Tay in two straight episodes and basically tried to eavesdrop on conversations or just check up on them or something like that. So yeah, it's a good thing that Perrin doesn't suspect what Mon's really doing in secret. However, his attention is now being paid to whatever's going on and that cannot be a good thing. And while Mon is not yet at fight, flight, or freeze necessarily, you can see her being backed into a corner where something out of those three choices is going to happen and we just don't know which one it is yet. I mean, we know three years down the line from this that it's going to be fight, but yeah, how long it takes her to actually get there and whether there are other things that she does in the meantime, that still remains to be seen. Now for a third takeaway, the identification of a mysterious character called Axis is happening here. Axis is of course a reference to Luthen Rail, even though the Imperial Security Bureau doesn't know that's who Axis is, but they are aware Cassian was working with someone and they believe that this someone is connected to all the other things that are happening across the galaxy that seem to be some sort of organized rebel effort in Dedramiro's eyes. She's of course dead on correct about that. And the speed at which she has made this connection is frightening for our heroes and I think that the danger to Luthen Rail just went up by an order of magnitude as a result of this episode. And Dedra finally seems to be getting the respect that she deserves and has earned with her investigation and pulling all of these disparate pieces of information together. This is one of the things that Denise Goff talked about in interviews prior to the release of the Andor series about her being you know, one of the smartest in the room or having to be smarter than everybody else in the room just to be able to get the barest slice of attention. I am paraphrasing here with this. And we have Colonel Yalarin here appearing in this episode who seems to be bothered by her. <laughs> and talking about all this information, even though clearly she's got the best information in the room. And at least Major Pedagaz, oh gosh, name keeps slipping from me. The Major at least, you know, stands up for her. So that's at least cool. And certainly the end result of what happens is that she's given as much leash as she needs to pursue her conspiracy theory. And I don't mean that in a denigrating way because, hey, some conspiracy theories are actually true, you know? Now let's talk about Luthen Rail here as our fourth takeaway. So he is taking some hard steps. He's shutting down the connection to Ferrix, which is a big deal. He's cutting off that whole line of inquiry, even as he lets Vel and Cinta investigate and hopefully assassinate Cassie and Andor since they don't necessarily know where he is but they've set up shop on Ferrix so they can find out what his deal is. Meanwhile Luthen and Clea are talking about strategy and what's happening next and Luthen ultimately goes to visit none other than Saw Gerrera, which is very exciting in this episode. So seeing Stellan Skarsgård and Forrest Whitaker chew the scenery together I mean I do remember seeing the the movie Heat from Michael Mann when it came out and that was when Robert De Niro and Al Pacino had their first on-screen scenes together and that was a big deal. I gotta say I enjoyed this in Andor so much more. 
Now Luthen, surprise, surprise, is in fight mode, even though he has a bit of a monologue where he calls himself a coward, but he's definitely in fight mode, and so is Saw Gerrera, but the way that they are looking at the fight mode is very different. Saw is still very much an iconoclast. He wants no part of anybody else's idea of war, and... Luthen? Yeah, he's starting to think that we need to come together as a community to be able to fight. So Luthen's already talking about alliances, but as we've talked about in previous episodes, you know, the difference between where Mon Mothma is and how she's trying to wage this secret war versus where Luthen is, Luthen seems to be leaning more toward the way Saw Gerrera wants to do things, but there seems to be a middle ground because there is a network that Luthen is building and he's trying to create alliances where he may still be doing some extreme things, but he's trying to get a whole bunch of people together to do that and keep a whole bunch of different operations running. Whereas Saw is all about his own thing and that seems to be it. Now, since I've mentioned Ferex, let's go to a fifth takeaway, which is what's happening on Ferex. So Marva is in full fight mode. The fact that she's actually investigating the hotel to see if there's a you know tunnel system where rebels could infiltrate and do damage to the Imperials there, that much is awesome. And you can see Fiona Shaw's character coming alive with these thoughts of rebellion. It's just, it's really amazing acting to watch. Brasso and Bix having to deal with her, but also having their own quiet concerns about Cassian not knowing where he is. And once again, Cassian is kind of at fault for getting everybody into trouble this time for Bix trying to reach out to Luthen and not being able to get through because Luthen has cut off the whole Ferrix situation. But you get the idea clearly that the Empire is monitoring transmission somehow and they were able to pick out that transmission and snatch up Pac and, or Pac and Bix for interrogation. So that's going to bring them closer to Andor's trail and closer to Luthen Rail's trail. So much closer to Luthen's trail, actually. So uh, he does not have any idea of the danger he's in. And Dedramiro is suddenly looking more and more dangerous with every episode. But Marva's in fight mode. Bix is in flight mode. Prasso seems to be in freeze mode for the time being. But I have a feeling that it's not going to last for much longer. And then we get to the hero of our show, Cassie Nandor, for the sixth takeaway. I got to say that facility where they're taken, it did kind of remind me of the base on Castellon where Star Wars Resistance takes place a bit. But yeah, I don't know if that's actually what it is. But oh my gosh, this sequence of scenes with Cassian. Squid Game meets THX 1138 for all intents and purposes. Just shocking and surprising and claustrophobic and panic inducing. And Diego Luna is just doing such incredible work with even his expressions in all of these scenes. Just oh, every little thing about his performance has just been spectacular. And this episode really brought it to yet another level. I mean, this had like Requiem for a Dream hopelessness for me in this too. Just absolutely crazy. And we actually have a time jump in this episode because there's a moment where 
the next day happens, except it's not the next day. It says 30 shifts later or something like that, which they're working 12-hour days, and I doubt that they're getting weekends or anything like that. So we're probably just literally 30 days later. And by the way, <laughs> this facility, I gotta say, was pretty exciting to hear about in terms of all the sevens, right? Seven levels of the factory, seven rooms in each level, seven tables in each room, seven people per table, right? That's just Star Wars seven by seven by seven by seven right there in this episode. And how exciting was it to see Andy Serkis suddenly show up in the middle of all of this? And when he did, I was watching this with my son, who you may know if you've been a longtime listener, a scorekeeper, Declan, said, hey, I know that guy and yes of course he did know that guy I had to remind him he's like give me one movie and I said Black Panther and he's like oh I know who he is the gravity that he brings to the role is just fantastic but already we are sowing the seeds of Cassian's escape. When Cassian is brought to that factory floor to work for the first time, he passes by a station where there are a bunch of unused boots which means that he won't have to go through that horrible floor shocking situation if he grabs a pair of those. He takes note of the fact that some prisoners are actually speaking via sign language from their you know, transport tubes to prisoners in other transport tubes, presumably from other rooms on the same factory level, and even possibly down to other floors on the factory. And maybe it's just me, but he seems to be giving some deep thought to his prison cell and the routine that involves you know, making the floors electrified versus not electrified and getting into your cells and out of them. So I'd say it's probably a safe bet that what we're gonna see in episode nine is going to be Cassian determining the rest of the pieces that he needs to be able to engage in a prison break. Like he's gonna plot it out, he's gonna find all the rest of the holes in the Imperial routine that he needs to identify in order to affect the prison break and then we're going to see the actual prison break in episode 10. So that's six, and I'll get to our seventh and final takeaway in just a moment. I do want to say thanks to the folks at NordVPN who are sponsoring this episode. I talked last week about NordVPN and about how I use VPNs for work-related stuff, but I hadn't really used VPNs for personal-related stuff. But it had just randomly come up in conversation with my son not too long ago, and then it just so happened that this thing with NordVPN happened, and so I actually took time this week to install and set up NordVPN for the first time. This is something, again, that I have only done for work and just, you know, had people set it up for me, basically, so it just made it easy. And I gotta say, this was just as easy as I could have hoped it would be to set up. Now, the whole thing about VPNs, it's about security for your internet connection. One of the ways that it supports that security is if you're out and about and using your computer or your mobile device on a public Wi-Fi network, for example. I've done that a bunch of times and I've caught a virus or two here and there. But getting on a VPN is like getting on your own private internet service and NordVPN made it really easy. Like once it was installed, it started up and there's a 
bright big button called Quick Connect and suddenly bang, you've got your VPN going and it was a lot easier to use than the ones that I've used for work. So that was very cool. And I'm gonna learn more about it and experiment with it over the next couple of weeks. And in the meantime, you can grab your exclusive deal that NordPN shared with us by going to nordvpn.com slash Star Wars 7. So that's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com slash Star Wars and the number seven. You'll get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and four months free and it's risk-free because they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. And I'll have that information in the blog post for this episode at SW7X7.com and in the show notes as well. Okay, for that seventh takeaway, I wanted to flag for you a bit of an Easter egg, if you will, but there's a name that gets mentioned in this episode that if you caught it, should have made you go, ah, like, you know, the meme of Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in the Hollywood going, ah, ah, and pointing at the TV, right? That one, because I totally had that moment and I hope you had it too. When Cassian is introduced to the prisoners at his table, on the factory floor. One of them is named Melshi, and if that name doesn't ring a bell, then I'm happy to tell you that Lieutenant Melshi is the leader of the Scarif Rebel Pathfinders that go out and drop all the charges onto the various places and help distract the stormtroopers from the Rogue One incursion at the very end on Scarif. So that makes me wonder if Cassian's going to get some help with this jailbreak plan and whether the two of them are going to be working together for the rest of the series when they head into the finale. But yeah, other mysteries that will be solved in just a couple of weeks. In the meantime, that right there is going to do it for our breakdown of the latest episode of the Andor series, Chapter 8. And that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It just remains for me to say... Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you, wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items, are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders, may the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.